That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. He saw everything in front of him as though it was a very highly colored dream. There were hundreds and hundreds of faces staring down at him from the stands that had been magicked there since he'd last stood on the spot. And there was the horntail, at the other end of the enclosure, crouched low over her clutch of eggs, her wings half-furled, her evil yellow eyes upon him, a monstrous, scaly black lizard, thrashing her spiked tail, leaving yard-long gouge marks in the hard ground. The crowd was making a great deal of noise, but whether friendly or not, Harry didn't know or care. It was time to do what he had to do, to focus his mind, entirely and absolutely, upon the thing that was his only chance. He raised his wand. Accio Firebolt, he shouted. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section. It's a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way that the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 20, The First Task. The title says it all, gang. (laughs) It's the first task. The chapter starts with Harry having no fucking idea of what to do about the dragon he's facing. And then once he realizes what he needs to do, he only has 24 hours to perfect a spell that he's historically, canonically been shit at. Um, but he does, thanks to Hermione's unwavering devotion, and Harry manages to get past the Hungarian horntail with only a flesh wound. As if that's not surprising and excellent enough on its own, Ron also comes to make amends with Harry after fearing for his best friend's life once again, just like the good old days. Welcome to the restricted section where nesting mothers are used for sport, I guess. <laughs> I'm in seventh heaven today because I'm joined by my venerable friend, Haley. Say hello to the listeners, Haley. Hello, listeners. I'm Haley. Haley, do you remember what the word venerable means? Because I guess I wrote this introduction um with a thesaurus, and now I don't remember what that word means. Um, it's from venerate, which means uh, to honor. Uh, so, like, you would ve- you're you're comparing me to a god, which I'm I'm into. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if that's cognate with <laughs> enervate in Harry Potter, which is how you bring knocked out people back to waking. I wouldn't be surprised. Don't get me started on etymology right now, though. Oh my god, we should definitely do an etym- a magical etymology bonus episode. That would be really cool. Until you're just like, at every turn, it's just Latin, 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 and then it becomes actually no, it, a very boring episode. No, it quickly. all just goes into Proto-Indo-European. Like, oh, and there's <laughs> another one, and there's another one. <laughs> well, I'm super excited because our special guest today is Adonis Gonzalez, a freelance writer, editor, and filmmaker in the making. Say hello to the listeners, Adonis. Hey, how's it going, listeners? We are so glad that you're here. Um, tell us what you do as like a writer. I think I said writer because the next word is editor. Just uh, a, w- yeah. What what kind of cool stuff are you working on? 
Uh, as a writer, I am working on uh, quite mm -hmm, a few things. Mm -hmm. um, well, no, right, I'm writing for a couple of outlets like Nerds of Color and The Young Folks. Um, I usually write or edit articles based on like film reviews or opinion pieces. I'm working on a lot of opinion pieces about old cartoons that I used to watch but didn't like pay much attention to when I was a kid. So like I just mm -hmm. I, I got an HBO Max subscription and I just barreled through regular show and I'm in like. I think I'm in the final arc of Adventure Time. I'm not sure though because there's quite a few more episodes to go, like the HBO movies. But it's 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 so interesting. I feel like I can't really. I have to put this in an article because I can't just walk up to my roommate or my friends and be like, "Hey, I've been watching like 20 plus hours of Adventure Time. Why this is the <laughs> most reflective, mature adult show has ever put out." Like I, I sound like a madman saying it right now, but it's crazy. I love that. And I have to say that Nerds of Color has some of like the coolest, most diverse um, like nerd literature. Like I, I oh, was yeah. able to find like stuff about so many different fandoms there. Um, just like so many awesome perspectives. I feel like whenever I Google like really obscure questions about like fandom and stuff, I end up there and I'm like, wow, this is a really good perspective. I truly love Nerds of Color. It's been such a blast writing with them and being the team because it's the first time I felt, as a person of color and a writer, um, I've met a lot of really great people in my life that have opened doors for me, but it's this is like the first time in my career that I felt like I've been around people who have kind of gone through that same kind of journey as I have and gotten to this point. And it's just great being like such a loving community. Because like you said, there's so many fandoms that we explore and there's so many different diverse writers that offer different uh, perspectives that you might not get somewhere else, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So if you haven't browsed through Nerds of Color yet, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, if you could please share with us a little bit about your very Harry Potter history. When did you read the books? Ooh. When did you watch the movies? What kind of a fan were you? So my Harry Potter history, I want to say it's probably pretty embarrassing these days. Um, it didn't used <laughs> to be, though. It used to be cool to be a Harry Potter geek. Like when I was a kid, I was I was the biggest one. I knew my house. Um, I was a Slytherin for a while. I'm a Ravenclaw now. I don't know what happened. I was actually finally getting used to what being a journey. Slytherin. I know, right? I was like, you know what? I may be a Slytherin, but I'm going to be a great Slytherin. I'm going to be just a good, cunning individual. And then he gave me Ravenclaw, which I guess is like sort of in that same boat. Yeah, they're like two sides of the same coin for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I started reading them when I was like, I want to say I was like eight or nine years old was when I got the first book. And that, after that, it was just over. Like, I fell so in love with Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. I got the first two books uh, for Christmas. And I sped through those. And I kept begging my mom, my grandma, any adult I could, just like, please, 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 please keep buying me these books. And I have I still have the, the same copies I've had since I was a kid. I've read through them, like, so many times. Um, I got my sisters into the movies when they started coming out. We had, like, little marathons when they were all available on dvd we would like watch one a day and when they were in the theaters we would go out and like see them day one this was like my star wars or like my mcu right now how people are about that how i am about that as well harry potter was like my mm -hmm. first huge fandom i was oh i couldn't shut up about it it was crazy yeah i i don't think i even knew like what fandom was before harry potter. right right you know what i mean like it's like i just read books and i enjoyed them and i talked about them with nobody you know right Yep. Right. 
Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's so cool that you have been on this Slytherin to Ravenclaw journey. Um, and we do <laughs> tend to attract a lot of Ravenclaws, so I'm not surprised that's where you ended up. Yes, Haley's a Ravenclaw. <laughs> nice. Ravenclaw pride. Hell yeah. But Haley, you also have some Slytherin tendencies. As you should. Yeah. I mean, you. it's, a, it's about self-preservation. But I think like the way... <laughs> I think people think about houses wrong, like not to go on a tangent, but here we are. Um, <laughs> I think people think about houses as like these are your attributes. And I don't think that's true. I think Mm. it's about your values. Like Mm. you can, a smart person could end up anywhere. Hermione could have ended up anywhere, but she doesn't value ambition in like the way that a Slytherin would value ambition. Yeah. So she wouldn't like, even if it weren't for the whole, you know, blood purity issue, like she wouldn't have been happy in Slytherin because they don't share her values, but Gryffindor ended up sharing her values. Yeah, definitely. My personality is very Gryffindor. I don't think anyone could argue, but I, I think you're right because it's like my values are Hufflepuff values. <laughs> yes. And like power of friendship. Yeah. I'm not about to go like Gryffindor, the climax of a plot. Like I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be waiting in my blankies with my weed brownies. Oh, and 100%. My cat. <laughs> Just waiting for it to be resolved. <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's get into it. Today, we're discussing chapter 20 of Goblet of Fire, The First Task. These chapter titles are very indicative of their of the chapter's content. This one oh, is yeah. the one where they do the first task. I can't believe so, it. A first so, task did indeed occur. Yeah. The thing is that like in the first couple books, I never felt like I had to do last week on Harry Potter. But I feel like now in Goblet of Fire, like every the beginning of every chapter has to be contextualized by the end of the last chapter. Well, especially this chapter, because the whole first paragraph is Harry just like filling, paraphrasing everything that just happened for (laughs) Hermione to catch her up. Right. She yeah. wasn't there for everything. Yeah, you're right. So thank you, Hermione, for giving us the opportunity to do last week on Harry Potter. So basically, we have this new information. Harry takes Hermione out onto the grounds to like talk about it because he doesn't want people observing him. I understand, babe. He tells her about the dragons and he tells her about Sirius Black's like many warnings about everything, uh, mostly Karkaroff because Karkaroff is a bad guy with a goatee or a red herring. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that's the thing is this book has so many red herrings in it yeah that's why it's so fucking long that's why it's so long but it's great though because we're distracted no they're all really good but it is an extremely long book it's a very very long for book. sure yeah yeah i could sleep on this <laughs> if i was camping or something i would use this as a pillow see my brain immediately went this is this is the slytherin side of me that's like oh i i was would have said i could bludgeon a man to death with this just like, oh, bam. wow. See, the Ravenclaw in me was just poking out. I think I could just read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like you, Adonis. I've got like all my old copies. So like this, there's no dust jacket. There's a big old crack in the middle. Like okay. this, oh. this copy is kind of falling apart. So I could absolutely use it as a murder weapon because like I kind of <laughs> would need to go out and get maybe a slightly less damaged copy anyway. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So we have what the Slytherin, the Ravenclaw, and the Hufflepuff would do with the book, The Goblet of Fire. What would the Gryffindor do with the book, The Goblet of Fire? Hmm. Doorstop. Stepstool. 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 To, stepstool. Boy, um, to boost him to greatness. 
<laughs> you use it to get a little taller. Yeah, a booster seat. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, I love these, even though I don't think a Gryffindor would do any of these things. I think that a Gryffindor would also use it as a weapon, but, like, throw it defensively as opposed uh, to just, an, like, actively beat, some, uh, beat the hell out of someone. Right. Okay, all right. To defend the weak. <laughs> right, Email right. us <laughs> with your become theories. become a vigilante yeah. just tossing Goblet of Fire books at people. <laughs> just yeet it. <laughs> okay. So Hermione is like, we're not going to worry about the red herring right now. We need to worry about the dragons, which, fair. Fair. They lap the lake three times and they still can't figure out like what. So Sirius Black was like, It'll only take one simple spell. I'm going to tell you what that spell is at the end of this sentence. And when I get there, you're going to love this spell. And then and then Ron interrupted them. And Harry was like, you got to go. Someone's coming. Right. right. So they can't figure out, like, what, it, what the fuck was he talking about? Like, God damn it, Sirius. <laughs> say it before you go. Um, he didn't. So they go up to the library for some research. Who else is at the library? Could it be another red herring? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You think he's a red, you think the narrative treats him like a red herring? Yeah, because he's like, Sirius is also saying like, you better watch out for Karkaroff's student. Right. Like Crumb is yeah. kind of villain coded at first. Like, oh, he seems oh really God. good at like the stuff that Harry's good at, but he's like all dark and surly and he doesn't talk to anyone. And it's like, oh right. no, he's just an introvert. <laughs> yes. But you don't find out for a while. Haley, Haley, we hung out last night. Do you remember what I told you I'm reading right now? You told me about a couple things you're reading about right now. Oops. Okay. It's Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> and like, I just, the whole time I'm reading Pride, like every, every time I reread Pride and Prejudice, I'm like a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and a little more sympathetic to Mr. Darcy, right? Because that man is just an introvert in like Victorian era, like socializing, like propriety, England. He is doing his best. And I feel like Victor Crumb is exactly oh the my same. God, you this are so accidentally right. happened oh, to him. Buddy. He is like literally just trying and he gets villain coded. Like Darcy gets so villain coded because of the first person narration of Elizabeth Bennett. She's like, Well, how dare he? <laughs> how dare he just have <laughs> everything? Just, uh, just how right. dare he be all handsome and brooding in the corner? <laughs> all What's Crumb he wants brooding to do about? Is play Quidditch, like that's all he really wants, and he has all these responsibilities yes. now. These these fangirls following him everywhere, and he's like, I just I want to focus on the game, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Like I. <laughs> In my, I like, I, I read this book once called Quiet, and it was about like how the world is designed for extroverts, which, like, weird. I'm an extrovert. I never noticed before, but like, damn, it is. <laughs> and like, even down to this kind of like minutiae of the way that like Victor Crumb is villain coded because right. he doesn't know the words to say. Right. So he just never says anything. <laughs> Oof. Same, buddy. Same. It, it, you know that man has anxiety. I oh, know. 100%. And like, I wish, I just want to know. Like, I want to know how the scene went down when he finally works up the courage to ask Hermione to the Yule Ball. Like how, I feel like he didn't even do it. He just walked up to her and was like, uh, oh, I will. And she was like, <laughs> can I help you find the words you're looking for? 
I mean, I feel like it probably uh, went down a lot like Harry trying to ask Cho. Like, oh want to go God. bow with me? But Harry's so... <laughs> well, I was about to say, but Harry's so awkward. I Yes. Yes. Yeah. He is. No, you're right. Harry's an introvert who's just pushing himself out there. But Cho is also awkward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Harry's, like, sur- I think the the difference is that, like, Harry is surrounded by, like, Hermione and, like, Ron and the Weasleys. And so it, I think that, like being extra like acting more outgoing is like easier for him mm-hmm. he's on his he's, home like, turf right. he's on his home turf yeah he's like surrounded by people he loves and trusts victor crumb is just like anyone who's approaching me could have an ulterior motive but Harry, wait that's holds true for harry too we, i guess we need to move on from the victor crumb <laughs> thing because there's a lot of parallels in this very moment when Victor Crumb shows up, Hermione makes Harry leave, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> because like, it goes to show, yeah, it goes to show that, like, to some extent, Hermione also is, like, she's very perceptive, like, on behalf of the boys, but, like, sometimes on her own behalf, she's not. Like, mm. the spew thing and, like, the Victor Crumb thing. I do like that there's a moment where, like, uh, when he comes in, uh, he shoots both of them specifically, like, a dark look, and Harry's like, the fuck is that about? Like, <laughs> but he was just warned about Victor Crumb, like, possibly being, of like, on the, the dark side or whatever uh, right. because of Karkaroff, so he's, like, interpreting it as being about, like... Evil shit, like evil shit, like assassination shit. And he's just like, fuck, she's sitting with that dude again. (laughs) It would never, it would never, ever, ever occur to Harry, ever, in this book, that someone was doing something and the only motivation is a crush. Like, that is so outside of his realm of possibility right now. It would also just never occur to him that someone is doing it for Hermione. Because at this point, he's just like, oh, yeah, Hermione's one of the dudes. You know, no one. No one gets crushes on Hermione, especially not Victor Crumb. That's a great point. And also kind of like the boys never do anything for Hermione. Like she's right. always doing stuff for them. So um, he's just really, let's say Harry's really worried about himself right now. He's got a lot to worry about. He we does, can forgive him this time. Absolutely. The, these last like this chapter and the last like three or four chapters have been unbearably stressful. We talked in the beginning of Goblet of Fire at length. You may have heard it about how like when you read one chapter a week rather than barreling through as we all always like to just barrel right through. It's like, wow, this is really slow. Like this takes a long time to build. But like now that we're in the thick of it, it doesn't feel slow anymore. But it, but now it's like, damn, Harry's having a panic attack for like a month my time, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. Like I've been worried about him. This poor guy. I know. Seriously. <laughs> the next day, Harry's like extremely stressed. Um, like even compared to the past couple of chapters, the only thing he can do, he can't help himself, but maybe he can help someone else. So he follows Cedric Diggory after breakfast because he wants to tell him about the dragons. But Cedric is always surrounded by his friends, his friends who are so loyal to Cedric that they are shitty to Harry. <laughs> <laughs> And that's not a good friend, everyone, right? You can be loyal to your friend. You can you can do it. You don't have to be shitty to Harry. Right. So Harry casts a charm to make Cedric's bag split open. And like Cedric's like, oh, I'll fix this. Go on to charms without me. Um, I don't know. Wouldn't you like, maybe not you, Haley, because you have bad bad luck. But <laughs> like, if I think that if I was in a magical school and my bag just split open with no warning, I would be like, 
this was oh. by design. Oh, yeah. Like someone did this to me. I'm getting I'm getting hex. This is a magic prank for sure. Yeah, I, magic I mean, <laughs> apparently it's like a new bag too, which like dick move. I uh, but like Honestly. I guess I, I do feel like I. Uh, you know, you're right. I have terrible luck. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily think that this is a curse until someone immediately comes up behind me with like super secret information. Um, your enemy. Yeah. Yes, my my sworn foe. <laughs> Cedric would never admit to being Harry's enemy, but it do be that way. It truly No, will. no, we're just gonna have a friendly competition. <laughs> I love Cedric. I bet Cedric's such a good guy in the books. Don't even give him any time. Mm. Oh no, I'm thinking about Cedric now. Um, That's my boy! Oh no, Haley, no! <laughs> That's my oh, son! God, I can't even look Amos Diggory in the eyes. It's sad. Oh. Lucky so- for you, he's in a book. <laughs> I know, but when he like... When he pops up on screen, even at the beginning of Goblet oh. of Fire, when he shows up, I'm like, Amos, no, just everything you're doing, bail now. I can't watch that movie the same ever after uh, the first time. I know. No, I know. Okay. I still can't listen to high school bands. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a huge loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Harry tells Cedric that the first task is dragons. Cedric's a little suspicious of Harry's intentions, obviously, but Harry claims to be doing this in the name of fairness, which I'm sure that a Hufflepuff can understand. Mm-hmm. And then Mad-Eye Moody appears and tells Harry to come with him. Now, now you're being magical prank hexed. I don't know. (laughs) Where did he come from? Why does he want to talk to me right now? Mad-Eye Moody says, that was a very decent thing you just did, Potter. But pretend I did it in like a really gruff British accent. I think he's he's supposed to be Scottish. Oh, Scottish. I certainly can't do a Scottish. Potter. Well done. Yes. That was, that was, that was a little Hagrid closer to Hagrid. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Similar <laughs> gruffness, though, for sure. Yeah, it's in the same ballpark. Yeah. Basically, he's like, don't even worry about cheating. <laughs> Everyone cheats. <laughs> Everyone cheats here, Peter. Come on. Peter, Harry. I meant to say Potter. <laughs> wrong guy. Wrong protagonist. For a split <laughs> second, I was like, do you mean P- Peter Jackson? <laughs> But that's definitely <laughs> Percy Jackson. Oh, no. I, I do have a question. Um, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to listen to uh, the episode that came out to, uh, upon this day that we are recording yet. Hey, like um, so I told you, might you have that when, when these episodes come out, I'm at, caught up. Other than that, <laughs> I told you that as the second they drop at midnight oh one our time, you have to drop everything you're doing and listen immediately. You know that if you say shit like that, I start taking it seriously sometimes, right? Um, <laughs> Please don't listen now. Midnight oh one our time. <laughs> um, but I, it's, this might have been covered in today's episode. I don't know, but I do have a question. Why is it that the professors at Hogwarts know about the dragons? Dumbledore knows about the dragons. Maxime and Karkaroff had to find out about the dragons. Hmm. Hmm. Were they? Yeah. Not, they were involved <laughs> in the process, as we've were made aware. They, there were months of negotiations. I would think that they would be aware of what the tasks are. Right. It is interesting that even like Hagrid knows about the whole thing, and Hagrid's like, I mean, everyone gets along with Hagrid. Like Hagrid's a great guy, but he was also like, you know, banned 
from like magic on grounds and kind of did like kind of a big error like and even he gets to know i I don't know maybe it's because like but but like dragons specifically like i wouldn't want if there were going to be like dragons around i wouldn't want the guy who like almost got in legal trouble for keeping and attempting to raise illegally tiger king style a dragon (laughs) so like even if he's like bros with charlie weasley like i wouldn't ask charlie inform hagrid like hey there's gonna be dragons on the premises and dragon eggs like i would never tell him the eggs are not something you should tell Hagrid about. I I reasoned right. it as like they might have needed like some of Hagrid's resources as the care of magical creatures teacher. Like mm. they might have needed him to like like find where the enclosure should go, or like they may have needed some like I don't know equipment. Like I don't know what kind of equipment he has, but I'm sure he has any. Right. Like I don't find it weird that the teachers at Hogwarts know about what the tasks are. I find but it weird that Maxime and Karkaroff yes. don't. Yes, yeah, I'm with you. Tell everyone. Because there's no way for Dumbledore not to know either. You can't bring four dragons onto his campus and, like, not tell him about it. So I agree with you that everyone should have already known. Honestly, I would have told the the champions, too. I think it's kind of messed up just to let them know day one. Hey, by the way, you're fighting a gigantic mythical beast. Um, Yes. Good luck. Good sportsmanship, everybody. I think they say, like, it's to test your daring, so we're not going to tell you what it is. And it's like... My daring? That's not a hint. It's like so much more daring to know what it is and then still come. And still show up. That's what they were afraid of. They were like, if we tell them now they're not going to show up, we're going to have a lot of really pissed off guests who bought tickets. Right. <laughs> Do people buy tickets? <laughs> Are there people? I, I like, think... is it free for the school? And then people had to buy tickets like to attend from outside of the school. Oh, yeah, 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 if, Dumbledore, if Dumbledore isn't getting some sort of revenue for the school and this, this is a waste <laughs> of the semester, he's got to be getting something. You know what I think the problem is for me reading the book on this go around is that like I have been involved in uh, event planning. I am never the instigator. Christine is the instigator, but we have both <laughs> been involved in like large scale event planning. And now I'm just thinking about the logistics and like none of that makes sense of no, like the tournament. It make- Here's the thing. Everyone needs to know everything that's happening. Like, I'm not... Whatever, dude. None of this festival make. I said festival because you were talking about our book festival. This tournament, no part of it makes one lick of sense. Like, it it makes zero sense. At least, like, the spectators in this chapter make sense because there's something to spectate. But, like, I got words about the other two. Oh, yeah. I also... I wouldn't want to spectate this first one, if I'm being honest. I wouldn't trust the... Like, I, I think maybe in the movie they they explained that there was some sort of barrier or something. Or maybe there wasn't. I, I don't think there really was. I think you were just kind of, like, praying that the dragon didn't scorch the crowd. It was a small arena, too. And a very small arena. Like, you could see Harry right there in front of you. Yes. Okay, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get there, yeah. When we're in Mad-Eye Moody's office, we get to take a look at all of his dark detectors, um, like various magical gadgets. And he's like, they're all going haywire because I'm in a school and kids suck. And Harry's like, that's valid. Uh Um, We also get our eyes on his trunk. I'm sure that won't come up again later. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not even remotely worried about it. For sure not important. 
so Moody's like talking to Harry about the tournament, about the the first task. He encourages Harry to play to his strengths. And then he has, because Harry's strength is not wisdom or intelligence, he then has to help Harry figure out what that, what the one strength he has is. <laughs> and it is Quidditch. <laughs> Moody must like I the patience of this man to be like okay <laughs> like, <laughs> like man on, you must man. really want this kid dead to be sitting here watching him figure this out in real time <laughs> yeah it's like you're not smart you're not particularly smart Harry you're not like strong you can f- you can f- you can fly pretty well that might have something to do with it let's think about that for a second Harry's just over here like. Huh. Oh, but I can't have my I can't have my broom though. <laughs> what am I gonna do without my broom? But then also imagine Barty Crouch Jr. as Mad Eye Moody, and he's like, "Oh my God, I got this cool plan. I'm gonna help Harry Potter win the Triwizard Tournament, and then I'm gonna send him to my master, who's gonna use his blood to come back to life. Like this is a great plan. It's gonna be really easy with my expertise to help this child win this tournament. Right. And then they're like, "Okay, everyone, the first task is dragons." And I, I'm sure he was just like, "Fuck dragons! <laughs> How am I gonna get Harry past dragons? He can't do anything." I mean, fly. Just fly, fly just I guess. Fly. Sure. Flying fools. Yeah. I am a fool. <laughs> <laughs> he is a fool. He's multiple fools in one. Oh, yeah. I am fascinated by Barty Crouch. Like, all of the implications of, like, what kind of a person he is just based on, like, him acting. Because, like, you didn't have to be a Death Eater, dude. Like, if you could pull off playing a dude this weird right you could just have gone into theater (laughs) in universe he's doing an immaculate job as mad eye moody like nobody is falling for it yeah he's doing a scottish accent (laughs) like instead of becoming a villain and going undercover just become magical david tennant right that that the world needs that person i'm saying basically the doctor (laughs) yes Man, my favorite doctor. I, we never talk about Doctor Who because it's kind of a lot for me emotionally. But like <laughs> David Tennant is so cute. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I just think he really embodies the like gumption of Doctor Who. Anyway, um, that's not what this podcast is about. Okay, so Mad-Eye Moody is like, what one spell have you been working on lately that could get you a broom and then it's like a smash cut to Hermione. I need you. <laughs> if only you could acquire a broom somehow, magically. How would you get the thing <laughs> that you need that is not there with magic? It is a simple spell that a fourteen-year-old could do just and like, has Duh. been studying in class. He's just sitting here like, "Come on, boy, put them together. It's not that difficult." That's a direct <laughs> quote. He's like, maybe I can turn the dragon into a dog or something. He's like, a dog. Harry. <laughs> Listen to me, boy. <laughs> and like, not to be this way, but like, we all read Prisoner of Azkaban. We know that Harry is not stronger than a dog. <laughs> He's just not. Listen, that was 13-year-old Harry. He's gotten a year. He's gotten stronger. <laughs> Things have changed over the one summer. He's a man now. 
he's like, Hermione, I need to learn how to do a summoning spell by tomorrow afternoon. Okay. Okay. And so they practiced. I fucking love Hermione so much throughout. I love the way that she handles Ron and Harry's fight. Mm. And I love how deeply she really believes that this is like a terrible thing that's happening to Harry and therefore he deserves like love and support and also more support, please. Mm. Um, Because like they practice a lot. He's not good. The narrative has been telling us for a couple (laughs) chapters that like, oh, he's still struggling with summoning spells, but that'll probably never come up again. Um, It does. He's not good at them. They practice all day until past midnight that night when Peeves shows up and starts throwing chairs at them. Right. Which I would have been out. That would have been it for me. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, Don't throw a chair at me. (laughs) Harry, you got to deal with this yourself. I didn't sign up to be abused by ghosts. Hard no. Hard. Hard to pass on that one. Sorry. I got, we got limits and that's why we're not in Hufflepuff. (laughs) Exactly. Is he... I think he's like um like feigning misunderstanding, right? He's like you just want stuff chucked at you, right? Yes, that, he's <laughs> that's literally what it is. It's like I could do that for free. I don't know why you got to use your wand for that. Oh my god. Do I need to aim for your head? I'm going to aim for your head. Yeah. <laughs> I love Peeves so much. Uh, I always try to like tell myself that Peeves is like a manifestation of the castle's personality. I love that. And like sometimes it's like, okay, so the castle likes jokes, but sometimes it's like like, okay, the castle wants Harry to go to bed because it's late and tomorrow's going to be a long day. Right. I also I also do love like how throughout the afternoon, like he's still having to go to classes and he keeps trying to practice like in divination. Right. Yep. Like a fly flies into his hand and he's like, either I'm getting it or that was just a really dumb fly. I cannot tell. <laughs> Yeah, so after Peeves attacks them, they move to the common room, um, and then they practice for a couple more hours, and, like, finally, by two in the morning, Harry's, like, finally getting the hang of it in one room. He's really good at... He gets good at it in one single room. Okay, I'll I'll revisit this momentarily. So the next morning, all his panic returns. Um, He had been concentrating too hard to panic, but now he's just full panic. McGonagall comes to get him after lunch. She's like, okay, let's go. We're going to the first task now. The the only adult that ever tries to think about his well-being. It's it's McGonagall and Pomfrey. They're the only ones. (laughs) McGonagall and Pomfrey are the only ones who actually care about if the students are going to, like, survive this semester. Dumbledore's just like, you know what? I mean, if they do, 50 points. If they don't, I I guess it's kind (laughs) of... Some of you Whoops. may die, but that's a sacrifice I am willing to make. I love the idea of Dumbledore giving like survival points. Like you survived, so here have some points. Wasn't that how the first book ended? It is. It is. For living through that, it really is. Here's some points for your house. Not therapy. No, you don't need that. No. 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 No therapy. wizard needs therapy. No. Yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs> yeah, but if you have feelings, you can write about them in this very innocuous diary. Yeah, go ahead, Harry. It's extremely supportive and validating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Harry enters the champion's tent. Um, he knows he's like right next to the dragon enclosure, even though he is supposed to be still in the dark about what he's facing. He's the last champion there. Um, all the other champions are already there. Also, Ludo Bagman. 
I do prefer this whole thing in the movie where Barty Crouch Sr. is like... The Chinese fireball. <laughs> but Ludo Bagman's the one doing it. I, I like them as a duo. I understand completely why Ludo Bagman was taken out of the films, but like I think they would have been great to see together visually. Yeah. Crouch, yeah. Bagman and Crouch. It's a good contrast. Yeah. It's a great contrast. And you know that like I'm sure they have like a lot of interpersonal like issues in the workplace and then they like come here and like Ludo's just like yay it's the time and I'm gonna do the <laughs> thing and I'm gonna be talking to everyone and Barty Crouch is like please just follow the rules please please just do like the just thing you're supposed to do. One job it's in your name just get it over with and we'll get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so Ludo Bagman explains that they're going to need to fetch a golden egg from the thing. What thing? Get it from the thing. Yeah. Um, he has a little bag with little models. Oh my God! He's living up to his name. He's a he's Bagman. And he's got a he's the man with the bag. Uh, Adonis, did you make that joke? Joke ten seconds ago. I think I did, but that's okay. No, you did. You <laughs> did. I thought you. I thought you were talking about the fact that he's the head of the Department of uh, Regulation of Games or whatever the hell it's called. I see. I see. <laughs> like oh. he's supposed to be reg- like regulating the rules. Honestly, well. <laughs> th- that's how you know it was a great joke because Haley made the same joke five seconds later. So Aww. well done. Now you got to make the joke in about five minutes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Be ready. Of course, Harry gets the Norwegian Ridgeback. Why, of course? Because in the last chapter, Charlie Weasley was like, I feel bad for whoever gets the Norwegian Ridgeback. That dragon sucks. I think most dragons suck, but that that having never seen the other dragons, I can only assume that this dragon was the worst of dragons. It's because they say that, like, the ri- it's the ridgeback part. The rest of them are sc- only scary in the front party and the back, but this uh, one is also scary in the back. Yeah, like, it's covered in spines. All business all the time. He's like, no, we don't have time for fun and games. Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all business all the time. Um, and as a reminder, I just clocked your he, him pronoun, but these are all nesting mothers. I just oh, like, you can't are correct. You are correct. That's like what pisses me off. For some reason, this has never upset me before, but like right now it upsets me, especially since you skipping ahead a little bit. Some of these eggs, actual dragon eggs, don't make it out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading that. Very and I was like, up. oh. Yeah. Aren't they kind of endangered? Aren't a lot of dragons kind of endangered? Well, yeah, because Dumbledore is using them for, like, tournaments all the time. How often do they use them for tournaments? I'm wondering (laughs) if, like, I'm biased from watching Avatar The Last Airbender, if I'm, like, I only think dragons are endangered because they are in Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) Well, well, I feel like it was discussed at some point, like, when... uh, when Hagrid had his baby dragon, like, I think Ron delivered some exposition um, okay. about, like, how there just aren't a whole lot because they're really hard to hide. Hard to hide. And also probably hard to, like, breed if right. you need, like, fire constantly. Yeah. So why? And that's why Charlie's job is so important. I, so <laughs> then why is, why with the, why with the nests? Why with the eggs? This is like playing croquet with baby pandas. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> I just got to remember in um, Disney's Alice in Wonderland when the Queen of Hearts is playing, I guess, croquet with like bird, like ostrich. No, Isn't some like, ca- like flamingos. Maybe? Oh, it is flamingos. Yeah. She like grabs it and uses it as a as a golf club. Yeah, that. But ba- baby, baby pandas. pandas instead. <laughs> 
they just like curl up in a little ball and you just like with a mallet oh, just no. like <laughs> if it sounds terrible that's because it is and you shouldn't do this to nesting dragon mothers either really exactly should. really should not so ludo bagman is like Oh, hey, kid, come with me. Not sketchy at all. He asks if Harry needs anything. He's basically asking if Harry needs help figuring out how to beat the dragon. He thinks he has just revealed this to Harry and is like, can I tell you how to do this? Nobody would know. I I was super nonchalant about asking one of the champions to leave the tent with me for a private chat right before the event. No, hey, Harry I know. Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Could you just come over here with me, Ludo Bagman, for a second? I need to talk to you about non-task related things before the task. <laughs> yeah, please. like it has nothing to do with this. <laughs> before I go and act as a judge for this tournament. Right, right. right. And like, I think it really just speaks to Ludo Bagman's desperation. Like a lot of the ridiculous things we point out, I'm like, that's bad writing. That's bad world building. But this I think is like a really good character choice because he's so desperate that he doesn't care if it is like perhaps transparent, like he doesn't care how it looks. Like he he's like, there is a chance I can make this happen and I simply must try because I owe so many people so much money. <laughs> I'm being shaken down by a pair of teenagers. <laughs> yeah, Harry's like hard now. And Ludo Bagman is in the middle of trying to convince him otherwise when he realizes that he is the party and he needs to go start the party. Right. Because he's the commentator. So then Harry, uh, Harry's left. Oh, my God. To, like, just listen to this. All the other, all the other champions go before him and he just has to listen. That's awful. Yeah. And, like, all of the commentary is extremely not comforting. <laughs> Clever move, pity it didn't work. I laughed so hard when I read that. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure that was wise. Ooh, nearly care for there. Ooh, good Lord, I thought she had it. Then, like, that's... Are you fucking serious, like, my dude? <laughs> Just the most stressful it. commentator ever. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, like, saying everything without trying to do any art to it at all i would love it i was gonna say i would love it if uh instead of it all being just terrible if like everyone else just had no issue at all with their dragons like oh and flora's dancing with the welsh green she seems to have charmed it and harry's like okay <laughs> okay i think i've got this they all have a great time out there <laughs> and then he like walks out it's the ho- it's the horn tail it's just like the fucking uh, t-rex noise from jurassic park like, <laughs> It's already shooting. It's already spelling out. I hate Harry and flames in the sky. <laughs> it's wearing a Potter stinks badge. <laughs> or imagine if, when it was Victor Crumb's turn, Harry could hear Ludo Bagman be like, "Incredible! It seems as though he's cast a spell, but no effect yet. Wait, what is that on the horizon? His broomstick! It appears he's going to fly." <laughs> Harry's just like, "Fuck!" He stole my axe. I can't go on now. (laughs) I can fucking bring it on. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, That is not what happens. And I think that says a lot about Crumb's character that he like doesn't think of that. You know what I mean? He like doesn't think he's special. Well, Well he also like just knows isn't he the one that had the spell that Sirius was gonna try to tell Harry? 
So like yeah. later on, Sirius is like, oh yeah, they're vulnerable yeah. in the eyes. So if you hit him in the eyes, then that can give you a chance. So like he just already knew, but also yeah. he's just not the kind of guy that would showboat. No, you're completely right. right. But Harry's like, I only know how to succeed via showboating. I don't have any <laughs> other option. I have to be the most important person in the room. Yeah. So eventually it is Harry's turn. Um, he goes out and I think that the the writing in this book comes and goes. Sometimes I'm like, that was really well done writing wise. And then sometimes I'm like, Ooh, okay, wow, you should have listened to your editor more. This mm -hmm. chapter, I think that the way that like the narrative conveys anxiety is really strong <laughs> like it gives me anxiety mm -hmm. and like the way that harry what there, there's so much stuff like his legs are made out of marshmallows like he can't hear or see like he's just like oh no he, he like time is moving weirdly yeah. i hate yeah. that i hate when that shit happens <laughs> he can't eat yeah <laughs> He's like not a person right now. He's just like waiting. Yeah. He's like to way too. Again. He's like way too aware of his body. Yeah, marshmallow legs. <laughs> so he raises his wand and he shouts. Um, do we go Accio or do we go Asio? I say Accio. I guess Accio. Yeah. Okay. Is that because of the films? Yeah, yeah. Asio just also sounds like a swear word in like the wizard world for me. <laughs> Don't be such a little assio. Come on, Harry. Don't be an assio. I think my mom always said accio. 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 My accio. Like accio. It kind of oh, sounds like a like sneeze Italian. a little bit. Yeah. Like Italian. Yeah, because it's two C's together, so like it could mean anything. It's it, putting two letters, like two consonants together in English, is kind of like the letter X, where it's just like it's. It doesn't, there's no rules. Fuck it, right. there's no rules. This means whatever the hell you want it to mean. Yeah, before the films, I definitely pronounced this letter as if it were an X. Like, I did, like, Axio. Axio. But now I'm pretty, I, I tend to say Accio because of the films. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess those they, are right uh, enough. Of, of the options, I feel like it it sounds the least dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's strong. You're right. I just um, remember my mom doing like the scene where Mrs. Weasley is getting all of the sweets off of Fred and George before the World Cup. And like in my head, I can remember her voice and it sounds like her sneezing a bunch of times in a row like, Accio, Accio, Accio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someday I'll give y'all my rant about what a garbage letter C is. But today is not the day. Oh. Um, just show me one thing that the letter C can do that no other letter can do. That's all. That You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's some valid yeah. C slander. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's my letter too. My name's Christina. I, I'm a CH for those who don't know. And but I just, oh, yeah. you know, what you do is you take C and you make that into the CH sound, and then it only needs one letter. <laughs> anyway, I studied linguistics in college. I love to mention it because it has nothing to do with my career. He's just like waiting. <laughs> He's just like, uh. but then the firebolt comes. Oh, Yay. my God. Woo. Can you believe it? Can you believe? Can you believe the fireball literally came? Oh, great segue me by accident to something I mentioned earlier. I cannot believe it. I actually literally cannot believe it because he's been practicing in classrooms and having a hard time. Yeah. This is like a mile away from the school. Yeah. I know this is supposed to be yeah. like his his like heroes moment where like, oh he 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 did it, you know, everything came together and he got it. But like 
like you mentioned earlier, just before this, like they were describing how anxious this man is. And he managed to like pull it together with a giant dragon in his face and go, you know what? I need this thing that's miles away. And it comes. And I'm like, if I was Harry, the rest of the books, I would have absolutely no anxiety. Just none. If that happened to me, I'd be like, you know what? I know. Yeah. Like I can do anything. I'm the Harry Potter. I'm the shit. Yeah. This is like, I don't think like protagonist shield is the right answer, but maybe like protagonist sword like like give, <laughs> you're giving the protagonist more than they deserve yeah he's a bit of a mary sue a gary sue a gary sue. like why can you do this he crammed for one night it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but he was he never got good at it though he just got slightly better i mean we just don't know the mechanics of how accio works because we don't know the mechanics of really any spell so like is distance a factor it's gotta Uh, be at some point but like otherwise you could just be like akio great wall of china that's the only that's the (laughs) fastest thing i could think of that was in china i was going to say something else i was going to say hope diamond (laughs) thank you akio hope diamond it sounds like you just have to focus really really hard on something which i guess apparently maybe that's like mental strength like if you're if you're mentally strong enough to focus on the entirety of the Great Wall of China, then maybe you can pull it to you. <laughs> that was a dumb example. <laughs> I know it was a dumb example. I was like, what's in China, the Great Wall? <laughs> no, no, but that's, cer- that's certainly a big excuse uh, to think about, yeah. That's so stupid. <laughs> this, this, like in three hours. <laughs> This a huge pile of ancient bricks <laughs> just flattens your house. Oh, I wish. That's probably the one spell I wish I was like, one that I had and one I was really good at. Because I'm, I'm over here on the East Coast and we don't have In-N-Out. And I'm so used to having In-N-Out as an option. I would probably just accio about three or four of the buildings just over here. That's a good use for that. It'd be so cold by right? the time it got there, though. <laughs> it would be that's cold. Fair. That is very fair. Oh, I'm trying to like figure out like maybe you could put it no that's just that's not an accio spell anymore that's like an elaborate if you like got a styrofoam cooler to like keep the warm in and then accioate it but that's just way too many steps okay so harry enters a kind of trance um he like doesn't he's not hearing the commentary he's not seeing colors correctly have y'all ever not fought a dragon i i'm gonna make it i'm gonna hazard a guess that you haven't uh, but have y'all ever like had to do a performance or like a competition that was like this where you were like so nervous that you stopped being able to like perceive what was going on outside of it? Oh, yeah. I've done a couple of talent shows at uh, my old school that were kind of like that. I guess the crowd was the dragon. Wow. And <laughs> the crowd was the dragon. <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've dissociated oh, yeah. in, in public events. Um <laughs> So, like, I never remember, like, it's definitely never a thing like this where it's like, oh, I can, I see what's in front of me and I got it now and everything's cool and I'm focusing. What happens Uh. is more just like, oh, there's static in my head and uh, I'm just going (laughs) to wait until this is over. She just, like, blacks out for six hours until the event is over. Pretty much. I said six hours because I am yet again thinking of the book festival that Haley and I throw together sometimes because that's definitely like, I don't really get anxious, but that was like a professional thing that like I had planned. So it was like a kind of a different level. It's a it's a juggling act. Just like yeah. keeping, you got balls in the air and you got to not drop them. Right. And it, it definitely felt similar to me where it was like, okay, I, I literally need to do this thing. So like, 
you know, anxious or not, like I'm, I'm already doing it. Like, let's go. Yeah. Right. But like, I, t- I took violin as a kid and I'm just not musically inclined at all. I, I took it for five years and never learned to sight read music. Um, and like, sometimes we would go to competitions and I would just be like faking playing and I don't, I know I went to the competitions. I don't remember them at all. Whoa. <laughs> Just you're just like a glaringly terrible violin sticking out from the rest. It's a big orchestra. It's fine. No one is as long as my bow is moving with everyone else's bow. No one gives a shit. I was really good at that. That's hilarious. Is that kid even playing? <laughs> okay, so in his head, Harry's like, "This is a Quidditch match, and the dragon is just the other team because Harry's incapable of thought that is not." A direct parallel to Quidditch. Of course. That's why he was able to summon the broom so easily. It's like, that's all he ever thinks about is his firebolt. So, <laughs> yeah, of course he was concentrating on it. Yeah, Aww, he, is, he is. He's a total Quidditch himbo. And maybe that's why he was struggling with the Accio spell when they were practicing. Because it, like, wasn't his broom and he didn't actually want the Charms <laughs> textbook to come flying at him. It's like Hermione. Whereas Hermione absolutely does. Right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hermione, I'm trying to get the spell right, but what does this have to do with Quidditch? And she's just like, Harry, the world is bigger than Quidditch. She's like, no, no. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> not correct. Dude, in, in the last chapter, or like, maybe the chapter before, Harry was like, well... Cedric's mad at me because of Quidditch, and then the Slytherins are mad at me because of Quidditch and, from other years, and then, like, this person should should feel different because of Quidditch. And it's like, dude, there are so many more things going on right now than Quidditch. Voldemort wouldn't have come back if I wasn't so good at Quidditch and got, you know, pro <laughs> I knew it. I knew that I flew too close to the sun super literally because I'm so good at Quidditch. Now Voldemort's the ultimate enemy team that I gotta fight. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry, Harry starts circling the dragon's head. He's trying to make it dizzy. He's dodging the flames. I literally feel like I've played this video game before. Anyone else? I mean, it's not a bad strategy. Like, he figured that out all by himself. Good job. Good job. It's Harry. true. He really did. Well, he figured it out almost like instinctually. You know, yeah. it's like maybe once you stop thinking, you're better. I, I don't know, Harry. You're a really confusing character to me. He gets injured. There, he has like one of his one of the infamous tail, the spike, the infamous uh, Hungarian horn, horn, horn tail. tail. <laughs> There's <laughs> horns on his tail. Which wait, hold on, hard stop. Are the wait? Are they called horns if they're on a tail? Aren't horns a head thing? I think they're still horns. I'm, I'm trying to think one. of any animal that has spikes not on its head because i feel like they would be when we talk about dinosaurs we usually talk about like spikes right but like i don't know if that's like a technical term okay merriam webster's dictionary which is my and haley's preferred dictionary does say it goes on the head Hmm. Hmm. yeah and also wikipedia says it goes on the head that's like a public, unreliable source, and then also a, like a privatized, very reliable source. Agreeing with each but other, but like you can't call it a you can't call it a spike tail because that was one of the like cutesy names for one of the dinosaur species in Land Before Time. The Land Before so time. Very true. 
Yeah. Well, there was that one character named Spike. Yeah, because he was a Spike Tail. Oh, he was a Spike Tail. Yeah. And he was non-verbal. Wait, and I love him. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Now I'm picture. <laughs> now you're picturing the Hungarian Horntail as like Spike's mom. <laughs> oh my god! Isn't there a whole episode about him finding his mo- episodes like a movie about him finding his mom? I mean, probably. There's like a thousand. Yeah, of those there's movies. so many of them. Yeah. Okay, Haley. Next time you come over, we will watch Lynn Before Time. As long as we don't watch the one with the baby sharp tooth. With the Sharp with, with the song about the ocean, oh my because God. my college friends and I used to sing that at each other to annoy one another, and we still do it sometimes. That's well, there's two. There's two that feature the sharp, baby sharp tooth, whose name I don't remember. One is where they find him. That one's fine, but it's the one where they where he's like a central character throughout. That's the one with the annoying song number. Mm. Yes, it is. <laughs> I guess I watched a lot of these when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that one. That one was hard to shake. Big, big. <laughs> Big, big water. Oh my god! That's the chorus. Oh. oh my god! I when I used to live in Norfolk, Virginia, it would flood all the time, and my ex-boyfriend and I would literally sing that song to each other when it was flooded. What's what's it called when like you haven't thought about something in a while and just like a rush of memories just pass through your head? I don't know. Is there a word for that? I don't know if there is a word for that. There's got to be one, probably, like in some language. Yeah, probably not the English language, but there's just, probably... I, I, usually, I usually say, like, you you just uncovered a repressed memory. There it is. You just so unlocked sorry it. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Unlock the vault. I always say that you've just activated a very deep and sleepy part of my brain. <laughs> you activated a very dangerous <laughs> trap card with that one. <laughs> So Harry is circling the dragon, being obnoxious, trying to get her to pursue him into the air. So he can't just like shoot off because then she's like, good, problem solved. But right. but he has to stay out of the range of her flame. So she's, he's, I, I this is literally how you play with a cat. <laughs> you're like, look at the dangly thing. And they're like, I don't care about that dangly thing. And you're like, look at the dangly thing. And they're like, I don't care about it. But their eyes are locked on it, you know? And you're like, come on, it's dangling. And they're like, oh, give me that. I'm like, damn it, it is dangling. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my face and feet are made of knives. <laughs> it's true. Oh my God, it's true. That's exactly like a dragon. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Dragons are just big cats. It finally works. Good job, Harry. Like, well done. And as soon as she takes off, Harry dives for the eggs. He's diving for, like, a golden orb type thing. Like, God, this... I wonder I wonder if this task was reverse engineered. I wonder if that bitch was, like, first task, dragons. Let's figure it out. Or if that bitch was, like, wow, wouldn't it be nice if his first task he did really well because it was exactly, like, the only thing he's ever been good at and then, like, reverse engineered it. That's a really hard question because I've done both personally with my own stuff. Like, oh, you know what would be like, I know I need to do like a thing here. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a narrative parallel? Yeah. So basically Harry gets the egg and then he gets out of harm's way. He does not bait the dragon so hard that it breaks its tethers and escapes onto the school grounds and enacts a lot of property damage a lot of the films. Which like... I'm fine with, you know, like visually that looks really cool, but like For sure, that's a movification. Yeah, narratively it's like why would why would they let this happen? Yes. N- exactly. Right. It looks great. But there's so much stuff about the Triwizard <laughs> tournament that's like why would they let this happen that right. it's just it get it gets lost in the shuffle. 
Yeah, because oh, we can't stop it now. Then he'll lose the contest he didn't enter. My greatest headcanon for like for Dumbledore is just that he really truly does not care. He's like, he's just watching the dragon, especially movie Dumbledore. He's looking at the dragon destroy his school and being like, you know what? I'll just magic new bricks later. And he just takes a hit and he's like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. True. Harry's got this. God, that reminds me of at the very end of Deathly Hallows Part 2 when we see Filch just like slowly, sadly sweeping. And it's like, hey, babe, this, this, this is not your responsibility. <laughs> like, you're not going to be the one to fix this. Right. This is how he copes, Christina. I know. It's the only thing he knows. So the crowd is screaming. Ludo Bagman announces that Harry was the fastest to get the egg, the youngest and the fastest. Um, Harry lands and McGonagall and Mad-Eye Moody and Hagrid are all there and everyone is so stoked for him and he is doing great. Oh, except for he's injured. (laughs) McGonagall's hand is literally shaking. This poor woman. (laughs) I know. She wants to actually do her job. And as Adonis said, I think you're absolutely right. Her boss just doesn't (laughs) care. God, Dumbledore, please. Like finds it funny. I think half the shit he does, he just does because it's funny. Like Filch being the caretaker when he can't use magic of a school full of children capable of making magical messes. That was done for comedic effect. You cannot tell me otherwise. (laughs) It's a dick move. It really is. It is a dick move. I know, because I think in the past we've read it as like a really kind move because he's a squib, but we still found a place for him in like wizard society. But it's like, it's also kind of a dick move. Mrs. Mrs. Fig just lives... In the suburbs with a cat. You yeah, can do that, fine. Argus. You can do that. That's an option. If he wanted to stay at the school and like needed a job or a hobby, like he could have just got him a cookbook or something or like anything else. That's the thing is the way that he's in this like narky supervisory role to these students who are like much overpowered compared to him. Like right. they're extremely they I mean he And they can't, know it. Yeah, like he can't resolve any of the issues that these kids are enacting. You know? Right. Like he just has to like suffer and clean it up. What are they gonna be like, Filch, Filch, they turned like twelve students into frogs and he's like uh <laughs> it's that sucks. I can clean That's a Pomfrey problem. That is a Pomfrey problem. <laughs> I can imagine Dumbledore saying that very flippantly. That's a poppy problem. <laughs> and if the dragons get him, I don't know. That's a that's a poppy problem. Dumbledore, Harry got scratch. That's a poppy problem. Yeah. <laughs> As a transfiguration teacher, somebody just like ends up transfiguring part of themselves horribly, painfully, grotesquely. It's like Cronenberg situation. He's just like, yeah, that's a poppy problem. <laughs> that's a poppy problem. We gotta go get Pomfrey on the line. <laughs> McGonagall just so resignedly rolls her eyes and sends a Patronus messenger. (laughs) They don't even have an intercom. I know. No, I know. So McGonagall, doing her best, makes Harry go to the first aid tent to fix his injury before getting his score. You know who's not okay with the whole dragon situation? (laughs) Poppy. Poppy Pumphrey. Poppy. She's not having it. She's not having it. it the, the text is like dragon, she said, like in disgust. Like she is like, how? Yeah. Whose fucking idea was this? But she knows whose idea it was. Of course. <laughs> this is not in her job description, even a little bit. No. And like, the, it would be so wild to be like a school nurse. Like that's an upstanding job. Like these children need help. None of them have received sex ed. They're doing like a lot of magic. They don't know what they're doing. And then to be like, okay, Poppy, we need you to come down um to oversee the dragon fight 
And she's like, what? The huh? <laughs> the what what? <laughs> That's like- Come again? I understand you don't have to tell the whole staff about this, but I'm reading this and I'm just like, out of everybody you've told, why did you not tell your nurse? Like, yeah, what if she needs to brush up on her dragon? Right. What if medicine? she needs to stock up on like dragon orange paste for everybody if they get burned like Cedric? Goes? Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't necessarily say that she didn't know. It's just that she's like actively and like sustaining <laughs> oh, disgust for the situation. She's known about this for months. Think... She's still pissed off about it. <laughs> she's been lobbying complaint after complaint. They tried Dragons? to bring in. <laughs> absolutely not nope 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 i feel like they did try to have a medical team like on hand for this like you do for big events where people might get uh injured and she was yeah. just like no i don't trust anyone else with these kids right, right yeah <laughs> i am sure. the only one who gives a shit here right so luckily the rest of the chapter so far it's been really stressful but the rest is pretty nice so like, this is my favorite part. Okay. Hermione and Ron come into the tent together. And Ron is like, dude, I think, get this. I just made up this theory. I think whoever put your name in the Goblet of Fire is literally trying to kill you. You're kidding. And then I love this line. It says that, like, Harry realizes that Ron is about to apologize. And then he realizes that he doesn't even need to hear it from him. My favorite line comes immediately after that, which is Hermione bursting into tears <laughs> and yelling, you two are so stupid, hugging them both and then running away. Because honestly, girl, you have been putting up with so much. You deserved that. You you, you could have hit them and you would have been well within your rights. Oh, yeah. This is fan fiction at this point. Not important, but I just have to let you know this. Um, in my In my head, the perfect Harry Potter alternate universe where I am the writer of Harry Potter and you know hopefully not as problematic right. but um the superior writer I, I'm already into this idea yeah. okay 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 um I would have made Harry and Ron get together you know and just Hermione Hermione is just she's fine she doesn't need no man no woman she's independent yeah like the signs oh, are right yeah. there harry's like you know what i don't even need to hear it ron i know what you're thinking and i agree <laughs> i also love and miss you or 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 hermione ends up with jenny i've always loved that everyone likes to ship luna and jenny but like i think yeah yeah it is too much power <laughs> what a power exactly. couple the wizarding world they would, would be have such a power couple issues or the biggest issue if they ever pissed them off so since we're talking about you know like gender stuff like m m I always forget. I think in the movie, Hermione is like boys, <laughs> but like in the book, she's like, you two specifically are so stupid. And yeah. that's like a vastly superior perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not like boys because Hermione, no, everyone is stupid. Right. <laughs> no, like they, they did not have to be behaving this way and putting you through all of this. Cedric Quite never honestly. would have let this happen in a friendship. No. Do you guys remember <laughs> the the meme that still crops up sometimes? Like, not all men. You're right. Cedric Diggory would never behave this way toward his <laughs> friends. <laughs> the one I, I'm in a Facebook group called Not All Men. You're right. Aragorn, son of Arathorn would never. <laughs> you would never. Similar kind of guys. Absolutely Cedric, correct. son of Amos. <laughs> like, I, I am sure... The way that this happens is that Ron's like, hey, that's crazy. And then Harry's like, don't worry about it. And Ron's like, no, I want to. And Harry's like, don't worry about it. And then 
you can you can feel the tension lift from the situation and i'm sure that this is extremely frustrating for hermione to witness because mm. the one who has been most burdened by their fight truly has been her oh yeah because she's been the neutral party right so like i feel bad for her line. yeah and then both the book and the film differently are like well, she reacts dumbly to this, and it's like, no, she <laughs> no. is probably mad at them now for what they've done to her. Yeah. If it could have been resolved like this the whole time. They've been extremely right. annoying. Because, I mean, you got to think about it. She's she's here helping Harry with this extremely stressful, and I know we talked about it earlier, this, it's a lot of stress on Harry, but I mean, like, her helping him has put a lot of stress on herself and not only does she have yes. to deal with that with dragons with fucking dragons but also she has to deal with like her her tight-knit friend group since like year one potentially crumbling at the end of this. this is like and she's 14 years old i think people forget they're 14 years old in this this is a lot of stress for a 14 year old at 23 right. i'd be graying up like my hair would be gone yes. at the end of this book <laughs> yeah and your communication skills are vastly better at 23 than 14 mm-hmm Supposedly. <laughs> yeah. The narrative and the characters separately and together take Hermione for granted consistently. Right. So Hermione for president. Hermione for president. So she ran away. So now it's just Ron and Harry. She can't bear to look at them because she's so disgusted by their behavior, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Fair. So Ron is like saying more words than he's ever said at once before in his life. He's telling Harry about everything that all the other champions did. And then they go out to get Harry's scores, which are as follows. Madame Maxime gives Harry an 8 out of 10. Fair. Crouch gives a 9 out of 10. Great. Dumbledore gives a 9 out of 10. Great. Ludo Bagman gives a 10 out of 10 perfect score, which objectively he did not perform perfectly because he was injured, right? right? And so everyone's like, what the fuck? Even Harry's like, what the fuck? And then Karkarov gives Harry a four out of 10. Quick question. Why are the headmasters permitted to be on the judge panel? Eh. Why do they let him do this? Eh. They asked nicely, probably. I don't know. I, I mean, Karkar- I, I I keep going back on upon this rereading to like Karkaroff's line about like after months of negotiations, and I feel like this was like a term of negotiation for both of them. It's just mm. a sh- it's a shitty term of negotiation because Dumbledore is probably going to give overly generous scores to everyone because that's the kind of person he is. Madame right. Maxime is probably going to be slightly harsher on her opposition, and I think. This is obvious that Karkarov is just being, like, patently and, like, obviously unfair. Right. And, like, no one's going to do anything about it. Yep. Do these points even actually matter in, in the greater... <laughs> Welcome to the Triwizard <laughs> Tournament, where everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> and you could die. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they like, add up uh, at, like, the final task to like who goes in the maze in what order but like yeah. did that make oh, a difference right. not that's really right. not particularly no. well i mean okay harry and cedric went in the maze first and got to the end first i mean yes but like it's a moody moody like fake moody could have made it work even if he hadn't gone in oh first. yeah i see what you're True. saying for the overall plot it doesn't yeah. fucking matter yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that he could have not helped at all until the third task. 
No, Whatever, it, Harry would have died on this one if he hadn't Harry would have <laughs> Or also him. the next one. He could have died at any point. Mm. He could have died just walking on the grounds, not really paying attention. This is an incredibly mm. contrived plot. We all know. It's like the most <laughs> contrived plot I've ever read in my life, including the other Harry Potter books. It's fine. It's great fun. <laughs> That's the thing. Don't look too closely because it's great fun. I'm, yeah. This is a great chapter. It's like super stressful. It's super exciting. Low, low, high, high. Don't look too closely. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the red herrings are for. So you don't look too closely at what the right. actual plan was. It's true. That's a great segue into the next thing that happens, which is Ludo Bagman wants to speak to the uh, champions Ludo. again. Ludo. Oh, I was like, what am I doing? And then I was like, ah, ludicrous. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) So he explains that the next task will be at the end of February and the clues to the next task are inside the egg. So instead of testing your daring, basically we're testing your brains now because you need to like decipher the clue and research to find the answer. Harry's like, what does that have to do with Quidditch? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Harry's also like, this sounds like a great thing to put off for three solid months. <laughs> oh my gosh. Harry procrastinates quite a bit in the series. The thing is that like when he procrastinates the second task, it's because like Hermione, Hermione's like asking him too much about it and he gets like sick of hearing about it. So he starts mm-hmm. lying to her and like that is some dumb ass shit, Harry. Give the egg to Hermione and leave her alone in a room for one hour. Like, right. like, why are you lying to her? Right. Oh, he's so infuriating. <laughs> oh, Harold. That's okay. She's not here right now. She cannot. She cannot bear to endure their reconciliation. Right. Um. So Harry and Ron leave to go up to the castle together, and on the way, Rita fucking Skeeter rolls up and asks if she can have a word. Haley, do you want to read this line? Yeah, you can have a word, said Harry savagely. Goodbye. <laughs> and he set off back to the castle with Ron. <laughs> yes, Harry. Is it, ri- is, is it hyphenated in the text? Or is it like a one word goodbye? It, it is hyphenated. <sighs> it's not. It's, goodbye, comes from, goodbye comes from God be with you. So I think this is as close to one word as we're going to get <laughs> from the etymology of that word. Well, if you say like a goodbye kiss or something, like where it's an adjective, you do drop the hyphen. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I hate this language. I hate the English language so much. Well, I don't know if this was autocorrect or if I'm just a dumbass or both, but in my notes, it autocorrected to Google by instead of goodbye. Um, so I don't know what that's about. Are there any last thoughts or like themes or moments from this chapter that you want to highlight? I want to say it was interesting that uh, upon reading this again, I realized that Hermione is kind of absent from some parts she was in the movie. I'm curious as to why they did that, why they maybe I guess guess it was just to sort of enforce or like support the fact that like Hermione is like trying to be Harry's support in the movie's case, at least that she's trying to be his support throughout this whole thing. But I do. I remember that she's in that scene uh, where Ludo Bagman is supposed to be, but he's taken out. And then I think like Barty Crouch or like someone walks in. He's like, Hermione, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, you're right. And then just 
<laughs> you're right that's right i'm not a champion i think also because like the films had to kind of like condense a lot of the rita skeeter bullshit i mm. think that like the moment when hermione goes into the tent to like hug harry because she's worried about him they like they catch that on camera in oh, the right, films oh right. uh, yeah so instead of this like nuanced like spy subplot where like Rita Skeeter is like writing elaborate like wrong shit. They they don't have time for that in right. the films. They're just like let's snap this yeah. photo of them hugging. And like any time that there's like a line or a thing in the movies where like they just can't have the character who actually did or say it do or say it. They right. inevitably give it to Hermione. Hermione yes. has said lines that were supposed to be from Dumbledore. Like Hagrid, she's, Ron. Yeah, Hagrid, Ron. She right. replaced Ludo Bagman, as we just discussed. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, she is kind of exposition in the books, but she also, like, has has a character and a personality right. and then the movies they're just like just dump all of the any it's convenient the thing yes yeah. also there is so much dean thomas erasure in the movies i just want to point that out support from my man d thomas dean thomas man yes the crazy i like the crazy thing is that dean thomas's actor is like in every scene right? <laughs> but like he doesn't get any lines and i'm like this kid had to give up a childhood to never have any to never lines. have a he's just doing line. like legolas faces in the background <laughs> <laughs> do you guys know the trivia thing about dean thomas's character mm -mm. No, I don't. So, uh, when that bitch was originally, like, planning out the series and, like, coming up with characters and their backstories and how they were going to fit in, um, Dean Thomas was kind of supposed to be, like, to fill the role that Neville Longbottom ended up uh, being dropped it. into. That would have been yeah. cool. In the seventh book, when they, like, run into him while he's on the run, he's like, yeah, apparently there's, like, some weird... I always thought my dad was just, like, a muggle who died or vanished or something i but like i never knew anything about him but no it turns out that like dean's mom is a muggle and his dad was a wizard who was like fighting uh the death eaters and right. was killed and his mom just never knew about any of the wizard shit because it was too dangerous and assumed Whoa. that he like ran out on her <gasps> and so dean was like raised by a stepdad and didn't find out until like during the war that his father was actually a hero that is Where? such a better plot than neville and dean separately yeah where's my dean thomas movie franchise no, yes. I'm absolutely behind you. Like, I I want, like, a spin-off series about Dean entirely, and not yes. just because the actor is incredibly hot and incredibly always Incredibly hot. That's, that's a whole other conversation. I, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't hurt. Okay, he's extremely sexy. I'll post a link in the show notes. But, like, also when... I mean, that actor, when he was 11, was, like, a very cute child who... So yeah. He really, he had like one line and like, man, he delivered it, you know? It, you know, that was one of the few good child acting moments in Sorcerer's Stone. Hey, Neville's got a remembrall. Oh, baby. Oh, I know. Yeah. I love him. I will never get, I will yeah. never forget the movies for erasing him. And I, I can't even remember his name, but the commentator in the first movie. For Lee the, Jordan. For, Lee, I know. Jordan. I love yes. Lee. It's just uh. like, they, they pop Lee in the first movie because like, comedy you know because like somebody has to narrate what's happening but like they really his character is so delightful he's like the only one that fred and george let into their world and like that alone right? says so much about him and like whenever he's around you're like you just feel like a little safer 
Right. But also slightly scared because you don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's known like that one upperclassman of just like, yeah, you're like the coolest dude, but it's because everybody genuinely likes you because you're incredibly likable and nice. Chaotic, yeah. but incredibly right. likable and nice. Yeah. Exactly. And like the thing with Fred, George and Lee is that like they're chaotic good. Like you don't know what's coming next, but like they're going to take care of you. Like you're right. going to be okay. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely Dean and Seamus and Lee Jordan Seamus. and all of those. And um, I always almost say Angelina Jolie. It's Angelina <sighs> Johnson. <laughs> My favorite. Has like movie. such a personality in the books and like doesn't get to do anything I in love, the movies. I love the Quidditch bitches. I love I know, them. The Quidditch bitches. <laughs> It's just so crazy that like throughout the course of the seven book series, these really minute characters, like like let's say like Katie Bell, right? Like she oh does next to nothing, but like you get just like one little hint about her character in like every book. So by the time something terrible happens to her in book six, she's the one who gets like uh, cursed by that necklace. Mm -hmm. You give a shit. And it's just so wild watching the movies because they, these are not it's like you get to be Katie Bell, but like that doesn't mean anything right. in the movies. It's like, but it's like watching them. You're like, I think that's supposed to be Katie Bell. And it's just like, she doesn't even do anything. It's just like such a weird difference. It's the same thing with, um, what's her name? Uh, Stephanie Brown, I want to say. Or Lavender Susan Brown? Lavender, Lavender Brown. Brown. Wait, there's a Susan. There's a wait. There's a Susan, Susan Bones, Bones and a I, Lavender I, it's, Brown. It's Lavender. I Brown. think it's la she becomes like Werewolf Chow, like like way yeah, later. Yeah, Werewolf Chow. <laughs> oh, Lavender. Oh, Lav Lav. Oh, She's Lav. my favorite character. <laughs> I mean, the six the six movie did have a lot of her in there. Yeah, but yep. she she's like a she's like a lovesick like dumbass, and that's the only time her character is like really had time in the movie. So like that's kind of the first time you meet her really. Yeah. But like yeah. the thing I always loved about the books, and the thing I think a lot of people loved about the books, and like kept revisiting was that intricate network of fun side characters that all yeah. felt even oh, yeah. with like little tiny details like people like that is. As, as much as I am pissed with the person she has become, that is a huge strength of the author, is yeah. creating this world of people who feel like friends you're revisiting. It's like, yeah. every time I read these books, I feel like I'm like visiting, I feel like I'm at a school reunion. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how she wrote this world of really diverse, open, loving characters yeah. who would always be there to support you and do their best to understand you and give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Right. They don't care about like where you're from or who your parents are. And the ones who do are the bad ones, but... The bad guys. The mm. bad guys. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, the narrative is like incredibly, I think, like duplicitous to some extent because, like, she she condones. No, what's the other word? Condemns. Wait, why are those so similar? <laughs> she condemns mm. so much shit in her narrative that she like actively does herself, and it's just right. like the weirdest thing. It's how you know irony exists. Yeah, that's like the main thing I've learned reading this so slowly is that like everything that she condemns, she does herself. Mm -hmm. Well, there's also, going back to what you were saying, Haley, I think a lot of it has to do with the readers themselves, right? Because she definitely lays the groundwork and like introduces this this whole little network of side characters, but it's kind of up to us because it's not, a, even in the books, there's not a lot done with all of these plots you learn about. They're just kind of there to fuel uh, 
either Harry's journey or to fuel the idea that the Wizarding World is like really big and it's bigger than Harry. But there's just so much you can imagine. I mean, that's why there's just so much yeah. Harry Potter fan fiction right. out there. Some you should definitely stay away from, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But like the that whole, you know, underlying groundwork of like all of these characters that just are populating this world as NPCs, like that's what makes everything feel so textured and like mm. gives it that revisit uh, revisitability and makes it this huge sandbox that you can fuck around in. Yeah. Right. Which is why it has so much like transformative media surrounding it. So like such a huge and enduring fandom. Like that's, that's kind of the secret ingredient for a lot of uh, series that get to be a big deal is oh, yeah. a, a world that feels fun to inhabit and habitable. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great segue. Um, it's time for plugs. That's a great segue into my first plug, which is our Patreon account. Um, for as little as a dollar a month, you can support us on Patreon. And for the $5 tier, you get monthly bonus episodes. And this month's bonus episode um, comes out this upcoming Saturday, and it's going to cover the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movie. Um, which is a terrible example of how you can use a gigantic sandbox to do 7,000 things in one fucking movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. We enjoy the film, but also don't look too closely because none of it makes any fucking sense. <laughs> Adonis, where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me, as mentioned uh, at the top of this episode, writing stuff for Nerds of Color or the Young Folks. Um, I tweet on Twitter at Adogon21, that's A-D-O-G-O-N. It's just my first and last name. It's nothing too special. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I tweet stuff on there. Sometimes I just think about something and I'm like, you know what, I should probably tell like a, a therapist or like a close friend this, but instead I'm just gonna like use 120 <laughs> characters to share with the world, so. Yes. Don't we all? <laughs> I mean, go, you know, everyone should go to therapy, but that's a great way to use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. That's usually where I'm at. Awesome. And what's something you've been watching, reading, playing lately that you think our listeners would enjoy? Ooh, okay. I have been watching uh, a lot of Adventure Time. Uh, if you've never nice. actually gone back and watched it, it's all on HBO or Hulu. There's like 10 seasons. So, I mean, prepare. I think there's a lot of like filler. So I'm sure there's somewhere online you can look up like what are the important episodes. But honestly, I love mm -hmm. the filler too, just for the same reasons we were talking about. It feels very lived in. It gives like all the side characters chances to expand a little more. Um, I've also been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm trying to go back and play all of those. So again, nice. another really big expansive world. Again, unfortunately created by not the best creator, but you know, Oh, I didn't so know that. That sucks. Live yeah, Ubisoft's not the best, um, especially that division that works on Assassin's Creed. Um, they're not like Activision levels of bad, but they're they're pretty close, which is just not great. Dang, that sucks. Yeah. I've been thinking about Assassin's Creed recently because I've been playing Witcher 3 and every oh. time I, I just keep, I keep running directly at the side of walls and getting mad that he doesn't scale them. And I'm, <laughs> my husband is like, this isn't Assassin's Creed. And I'm like, why the fuck? Couldn't Geralt of Rivia climb this wall? And then in the show, he climbs a wall. And I'm like, I knew it! <laughs> <clears throat> I'm cool. I'm calm collected. Haley, what have you been doing lately? 
Well, I watched The Witcher season two, but that's not a good plug. Um, I did just pick up uh, a book that I've been hearing a lot about. I am two sentences in and I'm already hooked. Um, <laughs> it's called uh, it's Gideon the Ninth by Tasman Weir. Um, it's the first of a series. I believe there's two books out. Um, and we're talking we're talking big elaborate space opera about necromancer lesbians double crossing each other politically that was so many words i love them all i'm having a hard time putting them together (laughs) right this is why i picked it up i was like i i know i'm going i have i keep seeing people like saying stuff about it and i cannot Mm -hmm. piece together what the story could possibly be because it's so original and i'm really stoked Hell yeah, that's awesome. I've been your host, Christina. You know where to find me. My plug for y'all this uh, week. I was like, month, (laughs) week, month, week. I just finished reading Anxious People by Frederick Backman. It's a work that's been translated from Swedish. It's set in like the suburbs of of Stockholm. And it's basically about like the world's worst bank robbery. It's like really delightful and like very heartwarming. And it reminds me of how I feel watching Bob's Burgers, where it's like everyone's Mm -hmm. so stupid. But in the end, I'm so... Like, I feel like my heart is so warm now. (laughs) So I definitely recommend it for people who enjoy like a little uh, contemporary fiction. Well, Adonis, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time and your perspective. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's been a blast. And I hope we can get you back for um, Order of the Phoenix because like I'm really dreading it. It's so long and depressing. Oh, my God. Isn't that like the longest of the books? Yep, it is. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. It's an even it's an even better murder weapon than this one. <laughs> I don't know. I have the paperback, so I don't think that one would work out well for me. Uh, I don't know. Even the paperback, you could do some damage. You could you could take an eye out with that if you if you oh, lobbed yeah. it hard enough. They'll definitely remember. <laughs> if they don't see me, they're like, it was definitely Order of the Phoenix. It was from the back of the head, but <laughs> just the the blunt force of that object. <laughs> All right, gang, I got to go finish reading Men Who Love Dragons Too Much, which is literally the actual name of a book that I actually pulled from this chapter. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Adios. The Restricted Section is thrilled to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, which features amazing other podcasts such as My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast. My Cabbages is an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast that was started by two lovable nerds during a global pandemic to stave off their inevitable existential crisis. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look at back at me. I'm on an on a even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. (laughs) We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, 
or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. It's so hard not to let out a, a little F-bomb or two when you're talking about something you're so passionate about. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.